Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Friday, the 30th of October, 2020. Does the Bible paint a rosy picture of life or a rosy picture of the Christian life? I think a lot of people in the world think that it does, or maybe even assume that it does. They kind of assume that the Bible teaches if you believe in God, everything is going to be all right. Everything's going to be rosy. And I like to invite those people to actually read the Bible because I don't think that's what you're going to find when you actually open up God's word. You're going to find a book that is full of suffering and a book that even teaches the Christian life is going to have difficulty. It will not be a quote-unquote rosy experience. But then, as I think about it more, I start to wonder, do people even not only understand the Bible, do people even understand roses? We think about roses as something, you know, a pretty flower that maybe gets handed out more on Valentine's Day than any other day, but we forget roses have thorns. And does the Bible say some good things about the Christian life? Absolutely. But does the Bible also very, in a very upfront way, remind us that especially the Christian life is going to be difficult? Yes, it absolutely does. So by the world's definition, no, the the Bible doesn't paint a rosy picture of the Christian life. But when you actually think about roses, we're going to see, no, God's word does say some good things about the Christian life and what we will experience. But it is also very clear that we should expect the thorns as well. And we'll look at this from several places, but first from 1 Peter chapter 4 today. And I think very clearly in this chapter, it reminds us of the difficulties of the Christian life. Verse 1 says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Saying, hey, you want to be a Christian? Get ready to suffer like Jesus did. Later in the chapter, in verse 7, it says the end of all things is at hand, giving another intense picture of life and of the Christian life. Verse 12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial. That doesn't sound fun. When it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised during a fiery trial. Like that's a weird thing. No, as a Christian, that should be unexpected thing. Verse 17 says, For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And I think this is giving us the idea that the Christian life, God is going to purify us. That's the that's the judgment it's talking about there, not condemnation, um, not being judged for our sins, but the judgment of God as he purifies us, as he removes sin from our lives. And he's going to start with us, and that's going to be painful. Growing in holiness is going to be painful, but it's a lot less painful than the judgment that the world will experience for their sins. And so in this chapter, we see this clear picture that the Christian life is going to be difficult. And that is a good word for us to remember. I mean, at the beginning, it seems that one of the difficulties is the difficulty of saying no to sin. 
that we will that will feel like suffering as we say no to our impulses as we say no to our desires that want to lead us towards sin as we say no to the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life and even it's going to lead to more difficulty because when we do that the world is going to think that we're weird and that's not going to go over well in verse 4 it says with respect to this with respect to us turning away from sin The world is surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. So trying to live a holy life in an unholy world is going to be a painful experience. More than that, it speaks directly more of persecution in verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. And that's where I think we have to acknowledge that the life that many of us have led here in modern, the United States of America has very much been an exception to the historical rule. We have, thank God, lived in a place where persecution still exists. I mean, many of you probably have stories of ways that you have been maligned for your faith. But we have to admit we we live in a place where there has been religious freedom. And in large part, we can gather to worship. We can live the Christian life. We can read our Bibles without active persecution. Most of us, we're not worried for our lives because we are seeking to follow Christ. And we need to be careful that if we see persecution rising in our own country, and I believe we are seeing that, and I believe we will see more of that, let's not be surprised as though something strange were happening to us. Let's realize this is exactly what the Bible has said would happen, and this is probably more of the norm that Christians throughout the world and throughout history have experienced as they have sought to follow Christ. So there are thorns. We're going to suffer as we say no to sin. We will face persecution. But there is goodness even in the midst of all of that. Verse 19 says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. That's the message. That we need to listen to. No matter how hard it is to say no to sin, and no matter what pressure there is from the world to join in on sin with them, no matter what persecution may come, we are entrusting our souls to a God who is faithful. Because we know He is good, we can continue to do good and to do what is right. Now, we see an example, again, of someone we've been looking at a lot lately that they've been seeking to follow Christ and they've experienced difficulty as a result. And you know I'm talking about the prophet Jeremiah. Today, we look at Jeremiah 42 and 43. And I'll be honest, this is a couple of depressing chapters of the Bible. So for context, yesterday we read that the temple and Jerusalem were destroyed. King Zedekiah, his family was killed. His eyes were put out. He was taken into captivity. And then the Babylonians set up a governor there in the land of of Judah, in the land of Israel. And the governor is saying good things. And then he is killed. And now we're going to basically read the aftermath of that. And it is a depressing story because what happens is the people come to Jeremiah and they ask him to ask God for mercy. And they ask Jeremiah, what should we do? 
And Jeremiah says, what you should do is you should stay here. Stay here. Don't fear the king of Babylon. He will be merciful to you. Do not go to Egypt. So that's what he says. He spends a lot of time in chapter 42 saying that. He says, hey, stay here and it will go well. If you run away to Egypt, it really will not go well. And now after all this time, Jeremiah has been preaching now for for years. He has warned them of things to come. Everything that he has said is going to happen, has happened. So now the people are like, Jeremiah, you're right, right? No. Once again, they don't listen to Jeremiah. And really, it's not that they're not listening to Jeremiah. They're not listening to the Lord through whom through Jeremiah, that's who was speaking, was the Lord. They don't listen to God still. They still do not listen to his prophet, and they run off to Egypt. And there in Egypt, in chapter 43, Jeremiah warns them that the Babylonians are going to come, and they are going to find you here, and it is not going to go well. And that's a depressing part of the Bible, that Jeremiah, even after all this time, they're still not listening to him. The people are still making the wrong choice. And that's something I think Christians will experience throughout the ages, that we will be faithful to proclaim the message, but there will be people that still do not listen. As hard as that is to believe here, when it's like, man, the city has just been destroyed. Jeremiah has been right about everything, and they still do not listen. And that's a sad thing and a reminder that that's going to be one of the difficulties of the Christian life. But we see, again, one of the blessings of the Christian life, even in the midst of difficulties, as we turn now to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, where today we look at verses 129 to 136. We're getting deep into Psalm 119. This is the Hebrew letter P, and I think of that even just the equivalent English letter of P and the word pant. Because that's what we see there in 131, 131, I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. And I love verse 132 in this chapter. And that's the main verse I want us to focus on in this section where he says, turn to me and be gracious to me as is your way with those who love your name. I love that description there in the second half of that verse, that when it's Asking God to turn to him and be gracious to him. He's saying, God, that's your way. God, that's what you do with those who love your name. You are gracious to them. And here we see this picture that, you know, I think a maybe truly rosy picture where we've been reading about the thorns and the difficult parts of the Christian life. But the the flower in all of that is God is gracious and he is near to those who love his name name. That's a good thing. Even in the midst of suffering, God is there and he is gracious to those who love his name. Are you one of those people that love his name? Do you love the Lord? Do you hunger for him? Do you pant for his commandments, for his ways, for his word? Are you seeking him above everything else? If you are, then what we're going to find is, yes, life is going to be difficult, and especially so if I'm trying to be faithful to Christ. But in the midst of all of that, I'm going to find that faithful creator that we read about in 1 Peter 4. I'm going to find this God that is near and gracious to those who love his name. And in the midst of the thorns, there will be sweetness. There will be a flower. There will be joy in all of that because we know who God is. And we look to his word, verse 
130 there says, the unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. And I think that's a great image for, for you as you read the Bible and study the Bible or as we preach God's word and listen to preaching, we're trying to unfold God's word and basically just explain what it means, show people what it says and what it means for our lives. That's where we look for direction in the midst of the difficulties of life. Finally, we look at John chapter 6, verses 41 to 59, where we're continuing now with this discussion where Jesus has claimed, I am the bread of life. And it's amazing in this passage, he, he shows them so clearly that he is uh, not talking, this bread of life is not a what, it is a who. And he's saying, it's, it's, it's me. And today, he really gets into the fact that it is his flesh. It is his blood. And, and that really, we get the picture that he is going to give his body. He will be the sacrifice through which we get eternal life. He says in verse 58, this is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers ate and died. This isn't the manna in the wilderness. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And again, there we see the thorns and the flower all in one picture that Jesus, he took the thorns. He literally wore the crown of thorns. His body was broken. His blood was shed for us. And because of that, when we believe in him, and that's the picture there when he talks about people eating his flesh and drinking his blood, he's not talking about people literally doing that with his body. It's certainly not a reference to, um, Communion, I don't think. I think communion is a reference to John 6 and, and that reality. Um, what he is talking about is by believing in him. That is how we eat his flesh and drink his blood, by, by putting our trust in him. Through that, we can have eternal life because he took the ultimate suffering. We can enjoy eternity with him, forgiveness of our sins, and hope in the midst of a broken world for a future that will be unbroken, that will be full of healing and life forever and ever. So does the Bible paint a rosy picture? Well, it certainly is very clear about the thorns, but it's also very clear about the goodness of following Christ as well. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Thank you.